Hello, friends. I'm Wayne Shepherd, encouraging you to listen to this teaching on the Reformation by Paul Scharf. Paul is a church ministries representative for the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry serving in the Midwest. He has a lifelong passion for understanding the Reformers and the impact they made through the Gospel. His fascination for these subjects was fueled even further by the opportunity to take a Reformation tour of Germany in 2017, the 500th anniversary of its beginning under Martin Luther. You can find all of Paul's ministry resources, including sermons, lectures, and columns on many different topics at sermonaudio.com pscharf. Right now, Paul comes with a study that will transport you back to the time of the Reformation. Thank you, Pastor. It is my privilege and honor to be with you to speak to you about the Reformation during these days, and it's wonderful to be back with you this evening. And what a great group we have here. Praise the Lord for this time and opportunity to be in his house tonight and uh, to be thinking about these important things. Here Luther stood, remembering the Reformation, as we approach tomorrow, October 31st, is Reformation Day. And if you don't know why that is, you will before you leave tonight if you're, uh, if you're watching, okay? So uh, praise the Lord for that. Well, it's great to be back with you. I'll just... Uh, as Pastor said, remind you, I am Paul Scharf, uh, serving with the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. There's my webpage where you can always contact me, find all my resources, sign up for our email newsletter, etc. If you just uh, need something else yet to uh, make your Reformation Day full tomorrow, you can join me online at 11 o'clock. As Lord willing, I'll have the wonderful opportunity again to address the sermon audio a United Prayer Meeting uh, online that's held every day, and I'll be the speaker tomorrow as the meeting begins, and I'll be sharing a message about the five solas, which I touched on this morning. And here's my latest column that connects uh, directly with our themes here, and you can find that on my sermon audio page or at sharperiron.org. And here's the book that I recommended. Um, to you this morning, which I have in front of me, I'll be using throughout the conference, Erwin Lutzer, Rescuing the Gospel, an Illustrated History of the Reformation, the Story and Significance of the Reformation. If you only buy one book in your lifetime on the Reformation, I would suggest that one and suggest that you use it to learn much more about the things we're discussing during these days. Well, it is a great privilege to be with you. Just want to throw in a couple uh, addenda here as we begin. I've had a couple of, uh, of questions today, and I just want to address them quickly before we get into our, our main subjects this evening. Um, how many of you know the Reformation leads to two, two wings, if you will, uh, two sections that develop really from the beginning, and that is Lutheran and Reformed. Now that gets tricky for if you have no background in this because you say, well, weren't they all Reformed? It's the Reformation. No, the Lutheran are not Reformed. Lutheran and Reformed. Reformed is a technical term for those that follow first Zwingli and then Calvin. Okay, So out of the Reformation comes Lutheranism and Reformed Theology of the Reformed Church. Okay, that's putting a lot of things in a nutshell. But that's one thing I hope that you can 
uh, have in place as we go throughout these messages. Now, some, a couple of people have asked me, um, how does this fit with the Friends of Israel? Talking about the Reformation. Well, I think it fits well. It's certainly not our focus as a ministry, per se, uh, to be talking about the Reformation all the time. We talk about Israel all the time, and we tend to talk about Israel in prophecy a lot, and really the fact that God has a future for Israel. He's been with his chosen people of Israel from their biblical past. He's with them in the strategic present. He will be with them through the prophetic future in the fulfillment of every promise he's ever given to them. Uh, but all of history works together in God's plan. He's working all things after the counsel of his will. Uh, and so much, much like uh, Dr. Kober, who I mentioned this morning, who had a unique passion for teaching, uh, especially on the Reformation and tying it together to his whole worldview and theology, and, and he continues to do that. Um, I have a similar passion that's built, as I said this morning, largely out of the fact I was raised originally confessional Lutheran conservative Lutheran. And so uh, I have a great interest in these things and would like to continue to develop specifically not just knowing about the Reformation, but uh, trying to understand and even trying to delve further uh, into perhaps even what you know, is largely unknown into how we as dispensationalists relate to the Reformation. You remember that's the point of this very unique book I showed this morning, which Pastor mentioned also, Forged from Reformation. We have a chapter in that book. It's a thick book that develops this whole subject. It's the only one of its kind that I know of. I'm privileged to be part of it. Uh, and I hope to continue to do more research in that realm. And this is, so this is not uh, totally unique for the Friends of Israel, probably the greatest known teacher in the history of the Friends of Israel, Dr. Reynolds Showers. Anyone here remember him? He came to Faith's campus to do our, uh, our Bible conference when I was in seminary here at Faith and got to meet him there. That was a seed the Lord planted in my mind that ultimately led toward me serving with the Friends of Israel. He certainly had a great interest in church history and taught on these things as well. But it's not something that many of uh, everyone in Friends of Israel focuses on necessarily. But it's not, as I say, in any way opposed to, uh, I trust, our, our mission, our purpose, our teaching. I think it complements it. It's a unique passion of mine. And here's what I want to get to say. I believe God providentially has prepared me in my life to have this passion, uh, bringing me through my Lutheran background and uh, into the progress of how he has worked in my life is, to me, a microcosm of how church history has developed along the route that I'm talking about, from the Reformation to uh, dispensationalism. I, if that, I hope that makes sense to you, and it's sort of how I view God's work and what he's done for me and what he showed me and uniquely prepared me to have the, these interests and so I hope they're a, they're a real um, addition to our ministry with the Friends of Israel, not any kind of a distraction. But I am fascinated with the Reformation, and as I said, with uh, still thinking further about how that fits uh, 
how the Reformation background ties to where we've come today by God's mercy. And, and also, I have a couple of uh, unique perspectives as a dispensationalist uh, on the Reformation, some of which I'll bring out in just a few minutes this evening, which you might not always hear from those who might more naturally talk a lot about the Reformation, and that is specifically, remember again where we started tonight, the Lutheran and the Reformed. They're the ones who talk lots about the Reformation and claim it as their heritage, and they may not bring out some of the things we're going to be considering, including those in just a moment. And uh, I'd like to say I think we have every right also, as the book Forged from Reformation uh, posits, to talk about the Reformation, to claim that as part of our heritage as well. So I hope that all makes sense. hope that answers kind of a couple of questions I've got today. If it's uh, clear as mud, see me afterward, and I'd be happy to try to explain further, all right? This morning, we one of the issues we uh, covered was the five solas of the Reformation, and we just sang about them in that wonderful new hymn, the Reformation Hymn. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, the glory of God alone, Scripture alone. And by now, from this morning, all of you know that the formal principle of the Reformation, that which gave form to the Reformation, is which of those? It's sola scriptura. It gives form. Luther was driven, you see. He initially, his concern was regarding issues of grace and faith, but he was, he was driven both internally but also externally by church authorities to say, you know, how can you be right? How, how can a thousand years of church history be wrong, Luther? How can you, one monk, be right and the rest of us be wrong? And Luther was driven to the point of saying it must be the scriptures alone that are our authority. The popes and councils have contradicted one another. Scripture alone. It's the formal principle. It gives the form to the Reformation. But really, Luther's first concern that satisfied his own conscience was the issue of faith alone. That's the material principle. That's the matter of the Reformation, the material principle of faith alone. Well, we've left off on this slide this morning where we'll pick up. And just quickly, we're still in some introductory matters, and then we're going to turn a corner here. But this is something we'll come back to later. And this is the kind of thing that you may not hear from a Lutheran or a Reformed teacher, that the Reformation indeed has a dark side. And um, I think there's been a lot more focus on this, and a lot more people are aware of some of these things. Um, there's really two, a two-pronged uh, dark side, and the two prongs are connected. Now, the first is what we would call, and I hate to even show this picture, but it's public information, um, and it's available by looking at the church there in Germany. This is from the church where Luther uh, preached his whole career in Wittenberg, which is not the castle church where he nailed the 95 Theses. This is called the town church or St. Mary's. And this is on the corner of the top of the church building. It's called a Judensau. It's a relief that is anti Jewish. Um, it's really in incredibly insulting, uh, to say the least, to the Jewish people. You can see above the word rabbini, above there for rabbi, 
and it's a Jewish rabbi with a hog, a sow, and um, just um, incredibly um, uh, derogatory art, work of art. And you say, why in the world would someone put this on a church? Well, it, these are on churches all across Germany, all around at least Germany, if not Europe. This is just common. I mean, hatred of the Jewish people is just woven into the fabric of the history of Europe and the history of, church, of the church in Europe. I mean, the, the church culture, say nothing of the worldly culture, long before Luther. This was here for hundreds of years before Luther arrived. Now, he didn't have it chiseled out. He didn't put it there either. It's just there. And it remains there to this day. And when you go there and look at it, right down underneath it, there is a uh, anti-Nazi or a Holocaust remembrance marker that's been placed there. The Jewish people, excuse me, the German people have done a good job since World War II of preserving all the history. We're not, we're not that wise in this country. We like to tear everything down, right? Uh, Jew, the German people haven't done that. They've preserved the good, the bad, and the ugly. Here it is, as we, you know, as it stands today, some of it was, you know, destroyed in World War II and so forth, but but they tend to leave things, preserve them, keep them in place so you can go back and look and see this is what happened. So this is the church where Luther preached, and this is this anti-Jewish uh, artwork, relief, whatever you want to call it, and, uh, and it's not in any way unique. And it was there long before Luther arrived. But again, Luther did not solve the problem, of anti-Jewish hatred in the Middle Ages, nor was he by any means unique in that way at all. We're going to come back at the end of the conference and talk more about some of this, um, because a question that maybe even is on your mind is, did Luther cause the Holocaust? Well, um, here you see, this is from a placard from uh, one of the museums that we toured, uh, a dark chapter, Luther and the Jews. And we're going to talk about these things later in more depth, but here's a horrible, horrible thing that Luther could even say something that even if misquoted out of context could be used by who? Adolf Hitler. And so we're going to talk about that. And uh, and I think that we we need to look at these things in context using just standards and trying to understand what actually was happening, uh, not in our context, not out of their context, not in any way to excuse the, some of the horrible things Luther said, but to really understand what was going on and to evaluate it properly. And uh, we'll get to that probably on Wednesday evening. Now, the other uh, prong of the dark side of the Reformation would be the issue related to what would this point us toward? We don't have many, many uh, ex-Lutherans or Catholics here, do we? This would be a, Baptist, a baptismal font, okay? By the way, Luther obviously baptized infants, but he immersed infants. He did not sprinkle. And uh, this is the baptistry from 
I believe from St. Mary's Church there in Wittenberg where Luther preached. I'm not sure if this, that this is as old as Luther's time, but it reminds us of the issue. What do you think would be the other side of the dark side of Halloween? In addition to Luther and the Jewish people, it would be Luther and the... What, what, what do you think of with baptism? Who would it be? Those who do not baptize their children, who would those be? The Anabaptists, okay? Well, here's one Anabaptist. We'll come back and look at his story more later. Uh, Fritz Erba, you've never heard of him. He was a farmer. He was jailed in this uh, rather nice, <laughs> for a jail cell, I guess, in uh, Eisenach for, you can see there, seven years, 1533 to 1540. That's during Luther's life. Uh, but he was preaching through the window to people who could hear him. So he was moved to a really awful place, uh, ironically in the Wartburg Castle. Now this is a picture, just taking my phone and taking a picture up the steps. There's a south tower, there's a north tower at the Wartburg Castle. The only regret I have from our trip to Germany is I did not go to the very top of the south tower. I wasn't sure I had time. So I just pointed my camera up there and took this picture. But why were we in the South Tower? Well, the reason is, is kind of awful. It's because Fritz Erba, when he was taken from that uh, room in Eisenach, he was taken, and this is almost uh, another horrible picture here. Uh, that's a, one of our speakers and tour leaders, Dr. James White. And he is standing above this sort of cage-looking thing, and what you're looking at goes down about maybe 30 feet into this muddy soup where Fritz Erba lived in that soup for eight more years as punishment for what? Refusing to have his children baptized in Lutheran lands. You say, what in the world? And we're hailing Luther as some kind of hero here tonight? Well, again, it's not excusable, but it has to be understood in context. And uh, we're going to ask some probing questions about that. And uh, I don't know if it's going to make you more comfortable or, or more uncomfortable when we're all done. But it ought to end up causing us to, to think through you know, our own um, stance and uh, ask the question, well, what would I have done if I were in Luther's shoes? Would I have done better? And we'll get to that point of asking some of those hard questions as we go later. Uh, and there's something that you have to, if you're going to understand any of this, you have to understand that these two issues are absolutely united. What would the Jewish people and the Anabaptists have in common? Well, it's this common element. Neither one would what? would have their children baptized. Oh, having your child baptized is how you bring your child into society in the 16th century in German. I mean, in Germany. I mean, that's sort of like, um, you know, having a baby born today and registering them and getting them, you know, ultimately social security number, et cetera, et cetera. If you, that, all of that was accomplished in the 16th century by having the, your child baptized and they enter 
church and society in, in one quick act of baptism. If you're not going to be baptized, oh, that's, a, that's a, putting yourself in a whole different category, you see? And Luther did not create this system. It existed for a thousand years, and nobody had ever thought of doing anything differently than this up until this time. You start to see and understand maybe how this is a little more complicated than it appears on the surface. So we're going to talk about those things. And let's keep this in mind as well. Uh, How many are glad and grateful as we sang tonight? It's not what we've accomplished. It's the grace of God working in each of our lives. You know, that's true of Luther and the Reformers. Uh, he, he, He did not attain this position of being the reformer because he was worthy before God. Again, he would be the first to tell us that. And what does Paul say about all this? Not many wise according to the flesh are called. Not many noble, not many mighty. And we could say that about Luther. If you were going to start a reformation, frankly, uh, probably one of the last people you would ever pick would be Martin Luther. But God used Luther. So again, what we want to grapple with this. What really happened and how does it affect us down to our time? Not a comic book version, not what we wish could have happened or the way I imagine it might have happened, but what really happened. And we're going to think about that right now. What really happened 505 years ago on October 31st. We're going to think about that this evening. That'll be our main focus for the next few minutes So if you cannot be with us the rest of the week, you won't have just only background all day today. We're going to talk about why we're celebrating tomorrow, October 31st, and then we'll go on uh, into, we'll sort of back up and then go through the whole story chronologically after that.